Huh? Yes, the kiddos. Time for kitty church. Or fun church. I remember the last church we were at in Georgia. I was the children's pastor, so I had a lot of fun. I called it the fun church. We got to laugh and sing and play and we had snacks too, didn't we? Yeah, we had candy. We gave them a lot of sugar. We gave them a lot of sugar. And then said, here you go, Mom and Dad. We were good at that. Uh, we're going to look at a couple of different sections of Scripture today. Um, Kevin read from Acts 6, 1 through 7, but if you would, turn to Acts 2 real fast. I want to read you a couple of passages that I think are key along with that one to help us kind of understand what is taking place. And it's Acts 2, verse 42. And it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to the fellowship, and the breaking of bread, and the prayers. And then down in verse 47 it says, Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day to those who were being saved. And then in Acts 6, I don't know if you caught it, the very first verse, being with the word here, says, Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number. You know, one of our core values here at the River Church is discipling. You know, you've heard... Michael talked about it, preached about it, mentioned it many, many times, disciple. What exactly is disciple? If you grew up in the church, you probably heard your preachers or your Sunday school teachers or your missional communities talking about discipling. It's one thing that happens over and over again. But what has taken place over the many years? Do we see an explosion of disciple-making? Unfortunately, we don't. And I can't even tell you what the reason is or why it's not happening you know, you would think about if we talked about something over and over and over again, repetition's key to learning that something would take place. Kind of like in school. You go through school, kindergarten, you learn how to read, you learn how to add, and then you go to first grade, and what's one of the first things they remind you to do? How to read and how to add. But they add on to it. So that repetition all throughout school is building upon your very first day of school until your very last day. It's all repetition. And you learn through it and you begin to do it. Yet in the church, we talk about discipling. We talk about making disciples of Christ, but we don't see it happen. So what, what's happened? Do, do pastors have the wrong expectations among the congregations about making disciples? Do we as individuals of the church have the wrong idea about disciples? Is there, do we have the wrong understanding about what the Bible talks about disciples? Does it even matter to Jesus if we disciple or not? Those are all questions we have to begin to ask ourselves as we look at the basic value of not just the River Church, but as the body of Christ, discipling, multiplying, building solid core believers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's look at what Christ did. He's our main example, right? We don't look at John, when we look at the apostles as examples, but our main example is Christ. He's the one that we want to follow. He's the one that we strive to become like. 
Matthew 28, verse 19, has two great commandments that Christ talked about. And they're both actions. He said, go, which is an action. You can't sit and go, right? I guess you could sit in your car and go, but you're, but you're still going somewhere. you got to go. you got to do something. It's not a passive word. Go is an action. And I love action. I love action films. I love action TV shows. I love action. That's why I play football and wrestle. I love action. I'm starting to learn golf, and I hate it because it's, there's no action. <laughs> and it frustrates me. But there's action there. But he doesn't say just go. He says another great word. Make. I'm not a good work worker. Uh, I'm not good at welding. I'm not a good car. I'm not good at handiwork. I'm not. I'm not going to. I'm not sad to say it. I'm not afraid to say it. I'm not good at making stuff. There's some. I've seen some. I've watched um, this old house and uh, the Yankee workshop. And man, those guys can make things. I mean, they get in there, they start putting the wood on the lathe, and they have their chipper, and it's like, wow, that looks so easy. I can't do it. Making something is an exciting thing. One thing I could do is I could do pottery. I could work with pottery. So I guess I can make something. I made pottery bowls in high school. And I loved it. It was calming and relaxing. But you put this big block of clay on the wheel, and then you begin to shape it and mold it and form it. And at first you don't know, it's kind of looking lopsided, crooked and funky, and then you begin to continue to work with it, and you make it, and what you started with and what you ended with are two completely different things. You started with a lump, and you ended with a great base. I mean, look at you know, those great marble statues. It became it was just a big block, but yet they saw something in it. They saw something beautiful. And begin to chip away, and chip away. You have these great statues, these great just works of art, because they decided to make something. But Christ didn't stop there with saying make. He said teach. Teach. Again, it's an action. You can't just give somebody a book. I can't give my son a book and say, teach yourself to read. He's going to look at it and be like, Huh? Somebody didn't just hand you a book and say, read. They taught you. They guided you through what words and letters sounded like. And combined them and they were teaching you something at the same time they were making you educated and making you aware of the world around you. See, Christ, for the three and a half years that he had those disciples, he didn't just say, okay, sit and kind of observe some things. They did observe, and they were trying to soak up every single thing that Christ was teaching them. But he didn't just expound upon something and then leave them to figure it out themselves. What Christ did is he expounded upon a parable, and then alone with the disciples, many times they'd ask him, Teacher, what does that mean? What, what are you talking about? How can this happen? How can that happen? And he'd sit down with them. I can imagine that there by a campfire, Maybe some fish on a spit, just kind of roasting. They got their bread, probably joking with each other. He said, all right, guys, listen. Here's what it is. And many times he just laid out, this is what it is. Christ taught those disciples day in and day out. He, there was never a day where he didn't try to show them something about the Father. 
There was never a day that he wasn't pointing them to who he was. Yet we look at our lives as believers, how often are we sitting there with somebody and pointing them to Christ? Are we showing them who Jesus is, or are we just saying, here's a Bible, figure it out? It can't be how it goes. Imagine if the disciples had said, you know what? Jesus taught us some great things. Let's keep it within ourselves. Imagine what would have happened with the gospel message if those 11 just stopped after the resurrection. <coughs> would you and I be sitting here? Probably not. Would the gospel message have died within one generation? Yes. How did you end up here in one of these seats? Somebody told you. Somebody invited you. Somebody wanted you to know about the one that changed their life. There's another great example of what it means to create a disciple. Turn with me to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy in chapter 2. What's so great is Paul didn't just, Barnabas taught Paul, but also too, Paul had his own time and alone with the Lord. But Paul didn't stop. He always wanted people to be around him so that he could die. And Timothy was probably the closest person to Paul. In fact, we read in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, he says, You did my child. You see, in a discipling relationship, you have to have a relationship with the person. Timothy was not Paul's real son. But they come so close together, their bond had been built so strong, Paul was like, you are my son. He's my son for another mother. He's his son. He had that tight-knit community built between the two of them. In fact, this was the last letter Paul, letter Paul wrote. And he wrote it to the one person that was very strongly a part of his life. He wrote it to Timothy. He said, my child. You see, in our relationships, as we begin to, to look to people to disciple, that we have to build a relationship. On day one of a discipling relationship, is there a relationship built? No, but you probably know a little bit about each other. So there's a small relationship. But within this, my child, that means that this person trusts the other. Trust needs to be built. And trust doesn't just happen. On day one, when you met your spouse, did you trust them? No, you didn't know them. You didn't know anything about them. That trust built and grew over the years. And daily it continues to grow and build, does it not? Same with that relationship. Your kids. That's why I love this part too. He says, my child. Our kids, we don't just say, okay, here you are. You're my kid. Now go and do whatever. Good luck trying to figure out this world. I'll give you one tip. It's crazy. And just let them go? No. What do we do with our kids? We guide them. We look after them. We try to shape them and mold them. But here's the thing, though. In the discipling relationship with our kids, with, with whoever it is, 
It's not about making good moral people. There's a lot of good moral people that are going straight to hell. It's about showing them who Christ is, the fact that He died on the cross for their sins, that He was buried and rose again, and that He is the Savior of the world. And just like it says in Romans, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's the key. It's not about making them good people. We guide them, we direct them, we mold them, just like that, that marble, the clay, we shape them. And sometimes, you know, that marble, I'm sure it wasn't easy chipping it away. I'm sure it even hurt the builder's hands with the vibrations through the hammer and the chisel. It's not easy. And it's heartbreaking sometimes, too. I mean, every day that you had your kids, was it perfect and pleasing and just happy? Sometimes it's heartbreaking, especially when they decide to disobey. It breaks you. It just it hurts you to the core. You're like, ow. And I only have a five-year-old and two-year-old. Like, I don't want to imagine what it's going to be like when they're in their teens or 20s. Because I know what I did. And I know the heartache that I gave my parents. But there's a relationship. When you're discipling somebody, if that relationship isn't there, they're not going to listen to you. They're not going to hear you. They're not going to trust you. And they're not going to follow you. You have to have a trust-building relationship that's helpful. And sometimes that means showing your faults. I don't want my kids thinking I'm perfect. I don't want anybody that I ever disciple thinking I'm perfect because I'm far from it. I screw up on a daily basis. Before I leave here, I know I'm going to mess up. Before I get home, I'm going to mess up and say something else wrong. And usually it's I'm probably driving behind somebody slow, so if it's you in front of me, and I promise I'll try to calm down. You know, coming from the south up here, Y'all drive slow. <laughs> Nobody's in a hurry around here. It's an adjustment. And so, anyways, I'm just going to move on. Again, like I said before, I get myself in trouble and mess up. <laughs> you got to develop. You can't expect it on day 50 to be strong. You can't expect it to be day 100 to be completely trusting of each other. But it has to continually grow to that point. Next, I love this. He says, be strengthened. Man, strengthened. I don't know about you, but I love being strengthened. I started working back out again. It hurts. Back today, my arms are a little sore. But we love to be strengthened. We love to have strength. We, it gives us the ability to do things. When we think about it, being strengthened, what do you have to do to become strong? Can you just go to the gym once? No. Can you go twice? No. A hundred times? No. It's a constant thing. You have to continually go the gym to be strengthened. Because if you go for, say you go for a year straight, and all of a sudden you stop. A year later, you're back to where you were before. You have to continually go. You can't just stop. What else do you have to do? 
you have to stretch. What happens if you don't stretch? You're going to hurt something, right? And it hurts. When you pull a muscle, it hurts. It's like, oh! <laughs> or you get a crick in your neck and you didn't stretch and you're like, I can't move my head. you got to rest. you got to give your body time to rest and recuperate. And you have to eat the right things. You can't eat a bunch of junk food. You can't eat things that don't fuel your body. It's the same thing with our spiritual life. We have to <coughs> constantly work on being strengthened by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have to continually trust Him that He's going to meet those needs. You have to continually go to Him daily on your knees in His Word. Because the, the faith that you had yesterday may not be the, the strength of the faith that you need tomorrow. And sometimes that stretching, you got your faith has to be stretched. Because when you're stretched, if you're stretched right, you won't break in times when it seems tough. You'll stretch, but you won't break. The Lord Jesus Christ doesn't want any of us to break. He may want to stretch us, to grow us, to guide us and lead us, but He doesn't want you to break. He also wants us to have times of rest. Times where we just get away with Him. And sit down and relax, breathe, clear our mind of the daily clutter. He wants us to be rested. Because He knows in a month from now, we may be so scattered and so rushed and so hurried and so crazy that it would feel like our life's falling down around us that we can sit back and think, I can always go back and rest. <coughs> and just like Paul says, you think eating right. You probably wonder what eating right has to do with growing in your faith, right? Well, Paul used this, an analogy that babes in Christ desire to Because they weren't spiritually strong enough for the meat of the word. As Christians, we have to get to the point where we can accept the meat of the world. The hard things. The complex things. Not the easy surrounding things. The things that really drive us to a deep relationship with Christ. And see, what happens so often is the things that we begin to consume, us, a TV, it's not spiritual. Internet, not spiritual. Facebook, sorry, not spiritual. You can post spiritual things on there, but it's not spiritual. The things that are spiritual, the things that we should be consuming and eating the most of is the Word of God. If we don't have a daily appetite for His Word, we need to sit down, refocus, and check ourselves. Because if you can go months on end without opening the Word of God and it not bother you, you may want to see if you ever tasted it to begin with. You have to have a daily want and desire to consume it. Paul goes on to say, and what you have heard. We hear a lot of things throughout the day. We hear a lot of talk, a lot of news. I mean, you hear news 24-7. You hear a lot of things. But is it all right? Is it all accurate? No. 
because you read it on the internet doesn't mean it's true. Just because you heard Tom Brokaw say it doesn't mean it's true. What we hear shapes what we are. What are we hearing? Here, Paul says, in what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses. What are people hearing from you? Are they just hearing chatter? Which there's nothing wrong with talking to people. But you never interject Christ in those conversations. Is it all about you and everything else? And nothing about Christ? So if you're in that relationship and you're trying to disciple somebody, you're talking about the right thing. Are you talking about the one that made the change in your life? develop you to do you want. In a discipling relationship, you have to be hearing the right things. You have to be hearing from the Word of God about Christ. You have to be hearing that. Because if not, again, you're not becoming a disciple of Christ. So a disciple of Christ is one who's learning continually to become like Christ. If you're talking about your golf game, you're deciding to become a better golfer. Which, I'm not going there. <laughs> well, sorry, I'm going to chase this guy. Golf? Well, I guess it is kind of like the Christian life. It's very frustrating. Because if you don't do it right, it's not going to the right spot. I was learning some things. I played golf on Saturday, Friday for the second time in like, 10 years. My shot was going that way, it was going that way, it was going. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, are you kidding? I'm like, I'm a big guy, I should be able to smack this ball 400 yards. And then my friend said, watch this. He had his left, his left hand, and only his left hand, and two fingers from his right, went back, hit it, and it was like 275. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> That's not right. And he said something. It's not about strength. It's about form and movement. Our life as Christians isn't about strength. It's not about being able to pull your way through things. It's about being able to move through them with a precise motion causes ripples in other people's lives where that they can be pointed to Christ. Because if you just bull your way through them, who are they going to see? You. And there could end up being chaos and mess because of it. It's a life example from golf. I need to write that down. Trust to the faithful men. It's not just men that need to be discipled, though. Women, too. Boys and girls. Teenagers. We all have to entrust what we have learned ourselves into others. We've all been taught many things about the Word of God. We've all been given secrets that somebody passed down and said, 
man, this, let me tell you about this passage. Let me tell you about the, the strength that Christ led me through during this time of my life. That maybe nobody else knows about. See, that's what's great about all of our testimonies, all of our lives are so unique and individual. If we all had the same life, it would be pretty boring. really weird too. But all of our lives are unique. We all have different paths. We all have different experiences. We all have different reactions to the things that we go through as well. But what's so amazing is that Christ can use every single one of us with all of our stories, with all of our past, with all the choices that we've made, and all the things that we've been through. I mean, think about that for a second. Something that broke your heart maybe five years ago can help lead somebody two years from now to Christ if you're willing to trust Him and guide Him with that story of how Christ saw you through that time in your life. But if you don't have somebody that you can entrust that to, find them. Build that relationship. Maybe they don't know who Christ is yet. Because let me tell you, this right now is not a discipleship thing. Church is not a disciple area. It's where we come and we get taught the Word of God. But it's, there's not a bond between two or three people. There's not that trust. There's not that, that just sense of my child. Because if church itself was a discipling thing, man, we would be on fire. But unfortunately, all across this country, all across this world, churches are closing every single week. Thousands at a time. You have to trust what you've been given to somebody else. Lastly, who will be able to teach others also. There's the goal. There's multiplication. Because one plus one is two. That's addition, right? Two plus two is much well, the better. Three plus three is six. That's addition, right? But three times three is nine. You're multiplying. See, if I take two men and begin to disciple them, say it takes two years, and that's okay. Discipling isn't something that can happen within six months. It takes time. It takes commitment. It takes heartache. It takes just. It takes a lot out of you. But after that time, you have two men that now that you've entrusted what you've been given, and you can entrust, they're going to go forth and find two more. So now I had two. They go find two more. So there's four more. Plus I take two more. There's six more. So now take those six. They all go find two more. You see? There was a, t- a statistic done a few years ago. that said, every single person in this world can hear the gospel in one year if we're all to be faithful to tell one person. Just one. Not a hundred. Not five hundred. But one. Because what will happen? If I tell one and entrust them to them that they'll tell one more, and they tell... Multiplication. 
That's what it's about. It's not about my four and no more. It's about sharing the Word of God with those around you so that they can then in turn go and share the Word of God with them, with others that are around them. We can't let it stop with us. Nowhere in the history of the church have they let it stop with them. There's always been a movement. There's always been a revitalization of the Word of God. But can it happen today? Can it happen with us? Can it happen with me? What is the church in general, the the whole body of Christ, going to look like 50 years from now? If we do nothing, scary to think. But if we do something, something amazing. So I'll leave you with this today. Who are you going to go find that you can entrust, build, guide, strengthen, teach, show? probably somebody that's already been brought to your mind. During this time, let's pray. We're going to sing a song. But if there's somebody that's been brought to your mind that I really, this person I want to decide, this person I want to share, pray about it. Find a way. Begin asking the Lord to open up doors. Find a way to get to that person. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I'm so thankful that you've never given up on me. You've always been there. You're always here to guide us. Lord, may we trust you in showing us who we can go and talk to. To go and begin to disciple. To share the things, the knowledge that we have about you. Lord, the whole point is for people to come to know you to grow in you, to be strengthened by you. Lord, may we trust that your will will be done. May we just begin to rest in you and listen for your guiding word. I pray and ask all these things in Jesus' name.